So, thanks for joining us on this special edition of Surviving the Shitstorm. Yeah, it's me, Kieran, the boy Bailey. I'm in conversation today with Fogel Dooley. Fogel's got a great history in the UK, but for the last few years he's been working over in Washington, D.C. And we had a really interesting chat about how that city and that, that state has been affected by this situation. But the thing that really struck me was the sense of community that Fogel talked about. And I think you're going to really enjoy that. I'm really going to get something from it because it will feel familiar to you because that is one of the joys of hospitality. So thanks very much for uh, our sponsors for allowing making this happen. We've got the guys at Vita Mojo, we've got the guys at HGM and Tahola, all putting their money where their mouth is at a time when a lot of people are not. So thank you very much. Enjoy the conversation with Fergal. I most certainly did. I suppose we have the other extreme where we want Mr. Trump wants to open in two weeks' time. <laughs> oh, mate. Uh, <laughs> so, you know. <laughs> I, I, uh, I mean, really, that, that, that should really be our starting point, if I'm honest with you. That should really be our starting point. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I've, got, I've got so many questions. So many questions around Mr. Trump. Uh, yeah, well, I mean, you know, in, I mean, in one sense, you know, I mean, they've just, um, you know, they've just authorised this, like, uh, two trillion you know dollar kind of bailout stimulus package which is is huge you know i mean it's it they're they're giving 350 billion to small businesses 250 billion to uh you know employees uh, that the way they're they're talking about distributing it like every every person who's been made unemployed is going to get a check for 1200 dollars um every every person under the salary of seventy five thousand. Uh, yeah. And every every couple up to one hundred and fifty thousand, we're going to check two and a half thousand. So I mean, you know, it's kind of something. And then obviously, there's a lot in it for small businesses. I mean, I suppose in terms of, um, uh, you know, I, I'm very close to DC. Uh, it's kind of where I've where I've worked really. Um, and you know, there's a big kind of uh, there's a big camaraderie between kind of uh, you know industry people. Um, I think I mentioned in the the group the other day. That, yeah, you uh, said there's a Facebook group where everyone kind of comes a Facebook together. Group yeah, like called call district industry, and it's pretty much it's everything from owners, operators, hourly paid staff, everybody. I mean, it's a group of nine thousand people. Wow, um, so, that's yeah, huge. Huge, yeah, it's huge. Um, you know what I mean? It covers everything. I mean, lo- long before this ever happened, but it's a uh, it's a great kind of support network for people. I mean, people advertise jobs on it. They uh, offer advice. Um, there's also another another group called. Uh, DC Craft Bartenders Guild, uh, again, which all kind of monthly events. I mean, it's a very, you know, they're very involved in it here. I mean, it's a, you know, I mean, I suppose hospitality is the third largest uh, employer in the US. I mean, there's 17 million people in the industry here. So, you know, it's a huge part of um, the economy for them. Um, so, you know, they've done a lot, you know, in the last, even in the last kind of week. I mean, we're a little bit ahead of you guys in terms of, you know, what they closed down and when. Um, but the other thing is it's slightly different here because you've got, Obviously, states are kind of run like small countries. So, I mean, the governor yes. will decide, you know, we're closing down the state, which has happened pretty much from the area that we're, like in, in D.C., you have basically what's called the DMV, which is D.C., Maryland, and Virginia. It's like the triangle. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they're all basically border each other. Um, I actually live in Maryland, which is 30 minutes from the center of D.C. Um, so, you know, they, they, the governor will decide, no, we're closing everything down, and that's it. Uh, and they did that very quickly here. Uh, Virginia were a little bit slower. DC were kind of pretty much behind Maryland. Um, so they've been, you know, they've been very quick. And, you know, in terms of what they've done, and what the industry people have done for each other, um, you know, I mean, when everything was closed down, kind of finally when they said, look, there's no more kind of uh, trading or whatever, they picked one kind of central place called Hook Hall, uh, which, is a, you know, it's a, it's a kind of a big bar or whatever. And they decided that they would take all of their kind of unused food there. And basically, the sort of, I suppose, this district industry group basically rallied everybody, got all the food there, and said, look, anybody who's in the industry, obviously, you've now been cut off. You've got no cash. Um, come here, pick up whatever you want, uh, you know, for free. Uh, you know, there's food for as long as you wanted it, and we'll keep replenishing it. So, you know, that's been really kind of useful for a lot of people. Um, wow, that's really cool. Yeah, it's really, really good. And there's been a lot of support. And I mean, you know, in terms of there's also within this kind of district industry group, there's a couple of journalists who are kind of food critics and stuff like that. They've been very involved. And they're also very involved with the the mayor and the council in D.C. 
Well, they've been kind of filtering through information in terms of how to get your employment. They've basically put online, uh, this is how, giving them the, you know, what's this and they've hit problems. There's one journalist in particular who's kind of a go-between between kind of the head counselor who looks after kind of uh, unemployment and stuff like that. So they've been really, I mean, literally, they've had in 10 days, 20,000 people sign on for unemployment. Um, yeah, so, you I mean, know, that's it's, huge. It's been a massive, yeah, it's a huge thing. I mean, it's a small city. I mean, it's only, you know, normally the population of D.C. is like 650,000, uh, you know, but when kind of capitals and Senate and everything is in, it's about doubles. But, I mean, literally, it's it's been, you know, quite hard so i mean you know all the business have kind of you know as they kind of come together so look we'll you know organize your food for you once they get their own employment i think they're all going to be entitled to like something like 444 dollars hourly staff i think at 444 dollars per week um which is nothing really kind of because they live on tips here everything is tips yeah, yeah. they make a lot of money um but you know they've also kind of set up this district industry page has also set up a virtual tip jar Okay, which is really that's very cool. Which is which is a very cool idea. What they did is basically set up a Google Docs uh, document, um, and they said, "Look, if you're an hourly employee, uh, we want you to put your details down, where you work, what your name is, what your Venmo or Cash App is, and then people can just log on to that. It's on various things like Eater DC. There's another one called Destination DC. They put it around kind of a lot of public forums, and people can literally go on and just tip you, drop you twenty bucks or whatever." So, so they like, are they tipping their favorite bartender? They're tipping their favorite yeah, yeah. server? Yeah, nice. pretty much. That's how it works. So it's, it's been a really cool idea. And, and from what I've seen kind of within the, within the Facebook group, people are actually getting tipped. And they're saying, yeah, somebody dropped me 20 bucks. Somebody dropped me 50 bucks. Somebody dropped me 200 bucks. You know, so it's, um, it's been quite cool. And again, you know, there's a lot of kind of GoFundMe pages for various businesses and stuff like that. Um, you know, there's a lot kind of going on. You know, they've been very proactive about it. So yeah, it's been it's been you know I suppose it's tough for a lot of people. I mean, and also they passed a law here to say that businesses couldn't be evicted, um, and they froze all utilities, uh, froze all rents, uh, all mortgages. So you know businesses are kind of protected a little bit. I mean, they reckon that thirty percent of businesses won't come out of this, uh, which is quite sad because I think DC has just become it's just been kind of named this year as the new kind of up and coming foodie city in in. Uh, the US yeah and there's a lot of cool kind of very small independents who are kind of I don't know if you've ever heard James Beard Awards and stuff like that um, but they're like kind of they're, they're very kind of you know it's for like up and coming chefs they're kind of like mm-hmm. on a yearly basis they're very very cool if you get a James Beard Award you're pretty much your set um, and there's a few have come up kind of this year in DC there's best up and coming chef um, you know there's a lot of kind of very diverse food there's a lot of kind of uh, I suppose one of the cool things at the moment is Filipino food um, oh, you fair. know it's, it's, it seems to be really cool I mean there's a there's a restaurant here called Bad Saint which basically has 14 seats uh, it's owned by a guy called Tom Cannellan who's um, a Filipino guy um, I think he's brought up in the US but he won a James Beard Award this year for best uh, best uh, chef mid-Atlantic or whatever but it's got 14 seats it has hours queues outside it um, and you know it's Filipino food and there's another guy who's just opened up as well called James Wozniak who again is another kind of he's not even Filipino he's from South America but he's opened a Filipino restaurant so it seems to be something really kind of, there's a lot going on in the industry here um, but it's a you know it's a it's a really tight-knit community everybody knows everybody everybody supports each other's businesses when they go into you know, when they go to a bar that they, they know somebody, they'll basically drop a hundred bucks tip to the bartender and that bartender, then the next night, maybe go to that bar and drop that bartender. Off. So it's, you know, yeah. So it's, um, it's, you know, it's a, it's a very, a very nice community to work in. It's a very friendly community. It's very, uh, there's a lot of support there. You know, they don't, you know, this, it's, you know, everybody's kind of, you know, I suppose in terms of competition, yeah, everybody's a little bit competitive and everybody wants the business, but it's, um, it's really about the industry as a whole. Um, so you kind of notice like a, a lot going on sort of that's very industry based as opposed to individual business based at the moment. So, yeah, and I mean, same as UK, a lot of people have been furloughed, similar, I suppose, hotels have shut down pretty much kind of everything is shut for at least a month, probably. The 30% that you sort of think that might not make it through or that, that it's being suggested may not make it through. Is that because they are, is that because they're just not good enough to make it through and potentially, you know what, um, that's, that's natural selection at work or is that that actually the, the support isn't maybe enough or they just didn't have enough cash in the bank? I think it's a little bit a combination of all things, really, Kieran, to be honest. I mean, it's become, 
I suppose over the last kind of DC is a very funny kind of city. So you've got there's a lot of very cool areas that are very kind of up and coming and whatever. And it's a very fickle city because once a cool new area comes along, everybody goes to the cool new area. So, you know, you've got to really kind of, it, there's a, like there's been a lot of regeneration within the city. I think probably 15 years ago, DC was a place that you wouldn't even go into. It was like, it was, you know, a lot of gun crime, very dangerous. Uh, and it's really kind of cleaned up. And then, you know, they've opened up a lot of kind of areas. Southeast of the city was like uh, pretty much, you wouldn't even go into it. Uh, then they opened kind of the, the baseball park is down there. There's a lot of new built apartments. They built a new kind of um, soccer stadium down there where you've got Team DC United there. Uh, and it's become, you know, kind of, I suppose, they're regenerating a lot of areas. So it's, um, you know, the, the, I think the hard part is that's caused rents to go up, similar to London. Um, you yep. know, and, and so people, you know, every kind of Tom, Dick and Harry is kind of opened a restaurant thinking, I've got the next cool thing. And, uh, you know, the rent has suddenly gone up. And then, you know, suddenly a new area of town becomes a cool place to go. And everybody leaves that area of town. And suddenly you're left with kind of a restaurant that's a year old or two years old. And it's not in the cool area of town anymore. So, you know, it's kind of like, it's a struggle. I mean, you do have, um, I mean, it's very different to, it's very different to London as well, where you've, you know, you've got central London and whatever. Here, you know, DC is very much built around neighborhoods. There's no central part to DC. Uh, so you have a lot of neighborhoods where you've got a lot of neighborhood restaurants and people in that neighborhood will support that restaurant. Um, mm-hmm. And then you've got some kind of, I suppose, areas that are kind of the cool parts of town now where they've built kind of the new football stadium and stuff. It's, it's an area called Navy Yard where you've got a new, a lot of kind of um, new businesses. And it's the cool part of town. Uh, you've got the wharf, which is down by the river, which is kind of relatively new over the last couple of years. We've got a few hotels and a couple of really cool businesses open up. Um, and, you know, they'll do well because during the summer, it's by the water and whatever. Uh, but then, you know, there's other parts of town, even I've only been here three years, but even three years I've been here, you know, it's kind of moved from where the cool part of town was to a different part of town now. So, you know, it's kind of, the, there's a certain element of that, you know, will, will, will kill people because when it does come to the point where they unfreeze the rents and you have to pay back whatever you owe, it's going to really mm-hmm. hit people hard. Um, you know, think what, what they're proposing at the moment in terms of the, the cash they're giving out to people that will support them now through the tough time just to keep the, you know, I suppose keep the doors closed. Um, you know, yeah. but when they reopen, it's <laughs> the next question what happens then? You know, so uh, I think that's kind of the unknown. Uh, so to be clear, they, the, the landlords there, they, they've stopped rent, so it's not that they've kind of over here. So this week, probably today or tomorrow, Parliament will uh, vote through the uh, forfeiture moratorium so they, they yeah. will not be able to take those sites back um, which has been a massive concern for a lot of businesses uh, yeah, however yeah. Land, landlords are not being overly helpful um, there's a yeah. huge campaign to try and get them to be a little bit more flexible but mm-hmm. you know they're kind of they're thinking about their own needs they're thinking about their own concerns and their own issues of course yeah um, I mean obviously kind of in, in the whatsapp group that we met you've got people talking about the fact that they're being told that they, they face repossession of their equipment and all that kind of stuff and locks yeah, being yeah, changed. Yeah. I've heard stories today of, um, of threats of violence towards people. Oh, I mean, wow. It's kind of like, wow, this is, I mean, wow. I know we're all feeling the pressure, but let's but, dial that down yeah. just a yeah. little bit. But, sure, but surely that's illegal, you know, I mean, surely they can't go into your building and, re- you know, obviously if there's a moratorium on rent, uh, you know, the rent's been frozen, surely they can't go into your building and, and you know, repossess your equipment or, or take control of your equipment. Surely that's against the law. You would hope so, but I think again, from what uh, from chatting to a couple of people who are quite involved in that process, because this is obviously so very very fast moving, uh, and this yeah. is law being drafted, there are potentially loopholes that very smart landlords with very expensive lawyers will be able to find yeah. their way through those loopholes, um, and yeah. that's that's kind of part of the challenge, I guess. To be fair, and I think any of us, when laws are being changed, then we know full well that mistakes are going to be made. Um, yeah, it's it's difficult to get it right first time. So it's, it's the cat you, cat and mouse game, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, it very much is. Trying to stay one step ahead, <laughs> exactly. So yeah, I mean, you and know, I mean, I don't know. I mean, as I say, I mean, the frozen rents here and everything, but I mean, that's all well and good. Um, but what happens when that you know no longer becomes? I mean, obviously the landlords will want their money. You know, whether they you know try and whether to try and get ahead of the game now and then suddenly. You know, the government said, well, okay, this is the, the situation. You can have your rent, but you have it over a, a, a 12-month or 24-month period or whatever the case may be, rather than demanding it up front. Because if they demand it up front, they're going to kill everything. They just won't be able to, to weather the storm. 
which would be a real shame because um as I say, I mean, like DC is one of these really up and coming cool cities and, and you know, I think it would it would be absolute disaster if they you know, if they try and do that. They'll just end up with a lot of empty buildings. And what, what effect do you think that will have on the hospitality scene in DC in the long term if they do do that? Well, you know, I mean, like over the last kind of year or so, I mean, I've kind of, I've done a bit of consulting over the last kind of year or so, year, year and a bit uh, for some businesses. And, you know, in parts of town that were kind of, I suppose, not that much in favor. I mean, really, I was, I did a bit of consulting for somebody who was, who was actually an Irish guy um, who was trying to get his business ready for sale. And I was really there just to kind of tidy it up. Uh, try and make it look kind of look good and get a bit more extra cash to the door but mm-hmm. I mean it's difficult I mean I don't you know I mean obviously you're losing kind of some businesses that have been around for a very very long time um, you know that suddenly have had huge rent increases like what's happened in London very similar situation um, you know and I, I don't know I mean it's it's hard to know what will happen really you know I mean you might have some very established people go do you know what I've struggled for 10 or 15 years managed to keep my head above water and this is just the final nail in the coffin you know uh, whether that will happen, I don't know. Real shame if it did. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of more established business, you know, but that will, will, you know, and I think, I think, it, you know, the same thing is going to happen here that pretty much has happened in London over like five or ten years. I mean, the the large, large companies, unfortunately, will be the ones that will survive, you know, because they've got the cash behind them. Uh, the independents, who knows, you know, um, that's the unfortunate thing. Uh, I think you'll see a lot of groups and high street stores, um, you know, taking over bigger sites and. And that would be it, which would be a real shame because, as I said, uh, you know, DC is one of these places that kind of has a lot of independents that are quite cool and quirky and, you know, to lose them would be a real shame. And that's where it gets frustrating, isn't it? Because I think Joe Public doesn't want a homogenized high street. They want no. variety. They want the independence. They want the kind of the new, the interesting, the kind of the sexy stuff. They don't want yeah. just a whole load of brands. Um, yeah, but the challenge will be is that and it's going to be the same here, really. The, the brands are the ones who've got the, the cash flow reserves who <laughs> exactly. can sit back and say, you know what, I can go for three months without being open. Um, yeah. You know, looking at there's a, a, the, the restaurant group over here, obviously one of the biggest over here, and yeah. they're, they're modeling for a three-month closure, which yeah. for most people is going to absolutely destroy them. But the restaurant group oh, is yeah. going to go, and, you know what, we'll get through this. We'll get yeah, through exactly. it. We've got the reserves. We've got the banks behind us. The banks know we can, you know, we can regenerate that cash. You know, for a small business to try and, you know, come back from being closed for three months is next to impossible. Uh, you know, it's like you're, you're living, I think a lot of them are probably living week to week or month to month. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, and even the small businesses here, I mean, obviously the average spend and stuff here is a lot different too. You know, I mean, even on casual dining, uh, you know, the average spend is much larger than it is in the UK. Um, but, you know, in, in saying that, everything is relative. <laughs> you know, the rent is obviously higher. Uh, you know, I mean, the, the one thing that they don't have is, you know, staff costs are relatively low. I mean, they're paying, you know, the, the minimum wage. I think the way it's done here, it's slightly different to the UK as well. I mean, they declare their tips because obviously the tips are the majority of their, their, their earnings. So, I mean, they're, you know, the, the, probably the business pays them, you know, 250 an hour or whatever. Yeah. Uh, you know, but there is a law in place where they have to earn a minimum 14 or $15 an hour. Now, if their tips... You know, if you're a part-time employee and they, you know, their tips obviously don't match up to the number of hours and they don't make the $15 an hour, then the business has to top that up. Okay. So, you know, it's, it's a slightly different model. Um, so, you know, how that's going to pan out. I mean, basically what they've done here, they've basically laid everybody off. Every business has laid everybody off. Um, so, you know, they're not, uh, I suppose, or furloughed, whichever way you want to call it. Uh, but, you know, they're, they're pretty much not paying anybody. Um, you know, that, furloughed is, furlough is the word of the day over here at the moment. So I think it's yeah, it's yeah, it's something you've never really heard in the UK. <laughs> you know what? I said to somebody down on Twitter, my, I am fully across the word, the use of the word furlough only from my uh, enjoyment of watching the West Wing. Uh, when, <laughs> yeah, when the US exactly. government gets closed down, everybody gets furloughed. I'm like, yeah, I know where we're at yeah. now, that's cool. But a lot of people well, are like, what the hell is this? What does it even make yeah. any sense? Well, I think it was probably last last year, last January, um, where they basically had the government shutdown, um, and you know, yeah. I mean, that hurt that hurt DC massively because the government shut down for a month. So you've got to kind of bear in mind that, yeah, like I said, you know, the population of DC is probably six hundred fifty thousand people, uh, and then when kind of you know, uh, government is in, it doubles. 
So when government is out, obviously it goes back to that 650,000 people. But within that 650,000 people, there's a lot of people connected to the government. So you have a lot of kind of attorneys, uh, non-profits, uh, all that kind of stuff relies on the government being in. Um, and when it's not, it basically kills everything. So, I mean, January, well, January just gone by, but the previous January, the government had shut down. So nothing moved for pretty much six weeks. So you can imagine hospitality was dead for six weeks of the year last year. So, you know, people were just kind of recovering from that. And now, obviously, this has happened. Um, so that hurt businesses massively last year. Uh, there was a lot of businesses closed down due to it. So, you know, they're, they're feeling the pain again this year, which uh, is literally on a year after kind of having a lot of pain last year. So, and again, so you know, all the government, you know, were basically on furlough last year. So they're pretty much, because they're all contractors as well. They rely on the government to be in. So they, the government isn't in, they don't get paid. That's so, really interesting, uh, isn't it? So what, what DC has basically had a dry run for the, 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 the shitstorm that we find ourselves in right now. Um, pretty much. Pretty much. Do you think that's helped? Do you think that's helped with the preparation, the way that people have responded to it? Um, I think people, you know, I, I suppose, you know, there's a lot of panic within kind of the industry about, I think the first worry for a lot of people was, how am I going to pay my rent? Because um, mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's not cheap to live in DC. I mean, you, you know, like a bog standard apartment. I mean, I lived in, I, I've moved out to, out of DC probably about 18 months ago, but I lived right in kind of a very cool part of DC, which is called Adams Morgan, which is a bit kind of like Camden. Um, yeah. And, you know, I, I was paying $2,000 a month for a one-bedroom, 600-square-foot apartment. Um, you know, so it's it's not cheap to live in DC. Um, and I think that was the main thing. The first thing that people were like, how am I going to, you know, keep a roof over my head? Mm-hmm. Uh, and I suppose the second thing was like, you know, I've got, how am I going to eat <laughs> so you know that's obviously where the industry stepped in and said listen we will provide food for as long as you need it if you're really really stuck obviously we want people who are really stuck to um, you know take advantage of it but you know that was kind of the next thing was like okay I've got a roof over my head because they've frozen the rents uh, and now at least I can eat <laughs> so you know it's kind of the two major things that were tackled pretty quickly so yeah I think that was the main concerns really bold move I have to say to, so to freeze the rents is a, is a really really bold move and not yeah. something that's been remotely considered here. You know, mortgage holidays have been offered. I myself have yeah. taken my mortgage holiday. You know what? As a as yeah. a supplier, as a consultant, I, I'm looking at my books and thinking, you know what? I won't be earning anything now for at least six months. So what yeah. am I going to do with that time? I've got to be. You've got to be sensible about it. And that's about as far yeah. as it's gone. But yeah, and I mean, the, you know, the market's much bigger. Yeah, I think they were. You know, they were just very conscious of. Um, you know, hourly employees, especially uh, being on the streets, you know, I think it's just kind of like, okay, hang on a second. Uh, you know, we've got to make sure that we protect people. And then they also brought a law in that landlords couldn't threaten or evict. Um, so, you know, not just from a business point of view, but from a private point of view as well. So, I mean, at least people are, you know, they're, they're you know, they're protected in terms of they've got a roof over their heads. I mean, obviously that rent is going to have to come back at some stage, but again, mm-hmm. I would imagine the government will step back in again and say, well, you can't just demand people because, you know, if they've gone through all this to protect people and keep a roof over their heads. I'd imagine they will put another law in place to say that you have to, you know, they'll pay it over a period of time or whatever the way, you know, they work it out with their landlord. But, you know, I have seen kind of some comments on the, the district industry Facebook group of where people have, you know, had landlords threatening them with eviction and everything else. And again, there's a couple of people on the district industry page who are attorneys who kind of are ex-bartenders or do a bit of bartending on the sides for fun. Uh, and there's one in particular, actually, that specializes in housing. And she kind yeah, of stepped that, in and said, I will, I will do any work for you pro bono. Um, you know, I will not allow any landlord to threaten you or evict you. Again, through the district industry side, you know, again, there's a, there's a lot of support there legally. Um, you know, so it, it's, you know... It's it's amazing, like uh, you know what you see kind of going on in this side. There's a lot of there's a lot of you know you get all sorts you know people moving out of apartments, selling their furniture, somebody you know offering jobs or somebody giving support, and you know if, have you ever come across this? And there's always somebody that can step in and advise. Um, so again, you know it's a hugely useful kind of group to be in. It's something that's quite unique about our industry, isn't it? I think they kind of we're built to care. 
we're built to look yeah. after each other. We're built to look after people. So that idea, when kind of when the, the brown stuff starts to fly, then yeah. we start to defend each other. We start to protect each other. And it's one of the things I love most of our industry. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, like I said, there seems to be an awful lot of support out there for people. So nobody kind of feels like they've been left high and dry. You know, and certainly I think, you know, hospitality being such a huge industry here, uh, you know, there's there's a lot of support. There's a lot of people out there that will help, um, you know. And, and I think, you know, I think the industry is, slight, is slightly different here as well. I think, you know, you have... I think, you know, pe- you know, I know there's been a lot of things, you know, going on in the UK in terms of calling people low skilled. Here it's yes. completely opposite. Uh, you know, I think people, you know, people going into bars, restaurants have a lot of respect for the people that work there. Um, you know, and they, they treat them very well. Uh, you know, they, they tip well when they get good service. Um, you know, and I, and I know, you know, you see a lot of people who, who become friends across the bar, you know, or, or in a restaurant, you know, it's uh there's a great kind of mutual respect, uh, which is kind of a real different world um, compared to what it is in the UK, you know? Well, I think the sad thing is, I think, I, I think there is a good degree of that within the UK. I think the, with the general public, I think the, it's our government at the moment who seem quietly intent yeah. on labelling everything, every person in our industry as being low-skilled and untalented. Now, if, if I'm yeah. honest, you know, I don't know about you, Fergal, but when I left school, I left school with five very poor low-grade GCSEs to my name. That was about it. <laughs> Hospitality <laughs> has given me the chance to say, you know what, this, I'm good at some stuff. I'm good at people empathising, creating relationships. I'm good yeah. at kind of actually caring about people. So it gave me the chance personally to say, well, actually, I will have a career rather than just a job. Um, yeah. And our government just, wow, just that whole low-skilled thing. It just, it, I mean, it really went off um, for a, a probably about three weeks before before this kind of started to come along. So I would imagine yeah. there's somebody somewhere feeling some peace. Probably Pretty Patel, our Home Secretary at the moment. She's the one yeah, who's yeah. Of, uh, calling us uh, low-skilled. Yeah, the low-skilled, so, yeah. She's probably the one who's feeling the most peace right now because nobody's shouting at her about this. Yeah. Um, but they will come back. It will come back. Because what's yeah. happened is, you know, the people who are being classed as key workers right now, the people who are being told you should still go out on the streets, there are a lot of those people who were low, called low-skilled about two weeks ago. You know, yeah. it's the cleaners, it's the nurses, yeah. it's 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 the carers. You know, that yeah. they are those people who are like us in in, in hospitality. We're labelled yeah. as low skilled fools who that we could probably live without, and just uh, we'd be fine. Well, yeah. I think it's been demonstrated that actually that's not the case. It's not the case yeah. at all. I mean, I've done a bit of kind of uh, well, sorry, I did a bit of consulting, but I, you know, I've done sort of um, the whole reason I actually came out here was to oversee a project for a hotel. Our refurb of their F and B outlets, and uh, which is actually an Irish owned hotel. They've got hotels in London. But um, when I came out here, there was something I, you know, I kind of discovered that one, there's a huge difference in terms of the way they operate with people. Uh, just the whole HR system is completely different. I mean, it's will to work is what they call it. So basically, anybody can be fired at any time for no reason, <laughs> pretty much. Um, Disconcerting. <laughs> yeah, 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 pretty much. And um, they also, the hotels, not so much the restaurants and bars, but the hotels are unionized. Um, not all of them. Uh, the hotel I was actually in was not unionized. But there's a huge fear of the union here. Uh, the union basically come in and they call the shots. They tell you how you're running your business. You don't decide. Uh, and they dictate the wages. They dictate when there's pay rises. Uh, and they basically have union representatives. So everybody from your dishwasher to your more, it's, it basically it covers your hourly staff. So basically like everybody from your dishwasher to your servers, to your bartenders, they have an issue to go to the union. They don't argue about it. The union, you know, argues for them. Uh, and basically they will call an all out strike if you, you know, if you bend the rules. Um, so it's it's quite a you know it's quite a different way. I mean, there's I mean the unions obviously have been around for years, but one of the things I actually found quite funny there's a, a union handbook. I, I did a bit of consultancy work for a unionized hotel, and there was a union handbook. And uh, one of the things that was actually in the handbook was that every chef. Now I'm sure this is going back to probably the 50, 50s or 60s or whatever. Every chef is entitled to have three beers a day. <laughs> so and, and apparently it's it's to do with uh, not being dehydrated in the heat. Uh, so literally you have all these chefs like, you know, walking around the kitchen, they're drinking beers. Like, I mean, it's just, it's crazy. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's, it's just bizarre. Uh, but you know, I mean, if you're in a unionized hotel, they guarantee, you know, they will, you pay union dues obviously, but 
you're guaranteed a pension, uh, your benefits are all taken care of. Uh, you know, I mean, we'll say somebody like a food runner earns $22 an hour, uh, you know, an hourly rate of $22 an hour plus tips. Um, you know, so these guys are earning a lot of money. I mean, this particular hotel I was in, uh, it was a huge banqueting hotel. It's actually where Trump did a lot of, they had, they do all the inaugurations and stuff there. It's a huge, mm-hmm. huge hotel. It's a million square feet. It's huge, you know, 825 bedrooms or one. But, you know, huge and nice hotel. Uh, but literally, you know, there's people who have been there for, there was a guy who'd been there 54 years because the benefits are so good. They don't leave. And it's impossible to get rid of them. So you've got guys working there who's 70 or 80. You know, they're just carrying on because they, you know, the benefits are so good. Um, and Why it, you would know, you leave, I guess, is the answer. Well, that's, that's the thing. And I think they have, you know, they also have, you've got banquet servers who are earning 150 grand a year. You know, so it's, uh, it's yeah, it's a, it's a different world here than it is in the UK. Really uh, yeah, just it's a, it's a whole pile different. But, uh, you know, in some sense, I think very, very good. You know, and they, like I say, they have, you know, great respect for people who work in hospitality. Um, just the general public, I think. They, they treat people very well and they tip well to get good service, you know. As is right, as is right. So we and started you- off with Mr. Trump and we started off with his... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> His idea that kind of come Easter weekend, wasn't it? I think, um, yeah. April 17th or something. And then he thinks you, we're, we're, you're going to be back on track. Feeling optimistic yeah. about that? Um, well, basically, I suppose, to be honest here, the way it works is that the, the governors in each state decide. He doesn't really decide, to be honest. You know, they call the shots. And, you know, I mean, we have a Republican governor at the moment who, in was you would expect he would be very like Trump, but he's not actually. And he's, he's actually done a really good job in terms of containing everything and, you know, making sure people are getting looked after. And he's done all the right, said all the right things and done all the right things. Uh, so in terms of where I am, we're very, very lucky. Uh, Virginia, you know, was, they were very slow to kind of shut everything down up until a few days ago. They were still allowing bars to be open. Uh, you know, yeah. so again, like I say, it's, it's down to the, the particular governor. We've got the mayor of D.C., uh, who, again, she is super. She's great. She's a real kind of people person. She's uh, you know, nothing like Trump, uh, very sensible. Uh, and, again, she has kind of fought for all. She's, I think, she's actually very in touch with the hospitality business. I've met her a couple of times. She's, you know, she's a lovely lady, um, but she's kind of fought for all the right things and put everything in place uh, and, you know, set up the whole kind of um, – unemployment benefit situation very, very quickly, uh, mm-hmm. you know, and, and she's been really fast to make sure that people are not, you know, there's normally kind of a waiting time uh, of a week or whatever. And there's normally kind of other things you have to be, you know, you have to say that you're actually looking for a job. Um, and they've cut all that out of the actual application, the online application, you just bypass all that now. So they've managed to do that really quickly to make sure that people aren't left waiting. So, uh, so they know, really have other. just simplified everything as yeah. best as possible, yeah? Yeah, yeah. I think, I think it's just, you know, they've, they've gone, look, people need X, Y, and Z. Let's give them X, Y, and Z. Or let's make it easy for them to get X, Y, and Z. You know, there's no overcomplicating. There's no kind of overthinking of everything. Uh, you know, I, I've, I've seen kind of stuff on, on the... You know, on the group kind of going, oh, you know, is this, you know, this allowance for employees if you're two and a half thousand, is it net or gross or whatever, blah, 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 blah. And, you know, people are kind of seem to be having to think a lot about what has actually been offered. Is it this mm-hmm. been offered? Is that been offered? It's very, very clear here for people. It's been made really clear about in terms of their unemployment benefit. Obviously, this whole stimulus package that's just been approved, that's still a little bit fluffy and nobody's really quite sure how they're going to administer that. Um, but... You know, it's been granted, and I suppose the detail will come. But uh, no, is, is that going to be is that going to be kind of in the form of uh, loans to the businesses or grants? What would no, that look like? Do you think uh, it's pretty much cash? I think. Um, I don't think it would be loans. I think they would. They. I think their their main concern here is that they don't want to go into recession. Uh, yeah, and that's why. I mean, literally, like as I said, they're talking about sending out checks to every single person that's been furloughed. Uh, a cash check, you know, of like twelve hundred dollars. If you earn under seventy-five thousand, uh, you know, you'll get a you'll get a check for twelve hundred dollars. That's the kind of where where it's at at the moment, um, and that will be kind of free money, um, you know, for everybody. And I think that's really to kind of keep them spending. 
Uh, it's just, you know, it's a stimulus package to try and keep the economy. I mean, obviously the stock market's been hit hugely here as well. Um, you know, they've had to suspend trading on a few occasions because it's just, it's just gone through the floor. It's starting to come back a little bit. Um, but I think, yeah, I think the main concern for them is that they get this money out and that people, you know, either use it now to keep businesses running, whatever's open, or, you know, it will be saved for when we kind of come out of all this and then people will have, be able to keep spending, um, you know, just really to keep the economy going. I think, I think that's the thoughts behind it. Makes so, yes, sense. Yeah, it's a huge amount of money, but I mean, obviously, if it's going back into the economy, then, you know, well and good. I suppose their view is that it's not leaving the country. <laughs> it's just going around the circular flow of income, really, isn't it? So, yeah. you know, it'll no keep one, businesses going. No one's leaving the country anymore, are they? Yeah, exactly. So, you know, it's just going back into the economy. So I think, you know, in one sense, it's a very good idea, um, you know, to say how it's going to be administered. I mean, I know they've, they've kind of outlined that there's $250 billion for you know, unemployed, there's 350 billion for small businesses. There's another 250 billion for, I think, business loans or something. Um, so, you know, they, they obviously have kind of worked out where they're actually spreading it out to, uh, how they actually administer it, I suppose, is the next thing. But it's there. So I think it's that's kind of reassuring for a lot of people. I think having that in just in the back of your head takes a lot of pressure off a lot of people. Yeah, yeah. There's yeah. no doubt. And I think, I think they will. I think I saw something yesterday. I think if you've got up to, I think if you're a small business up to 50 people, you can get 25,000 or 50,000 or something. Um, mm-hmm. But you've got, obviously you've got to apply for it. Um, but they will, you know, obviously get your applications in. Uh, I think it's, I think it's if you employ 50 people, uh, you're going to, you can apply for a grant of 25,000, um, which will probably keep payroll going at least for a little while. So yeah, we'll see. We'll see. So right, it sounds again, like taking some really proactive steps. Yeah, they seem to be kind of, you know, <laughs> at the moment they seem to be kind of honest. So who knows what's going to happen? But you know, I mean, they, I mean, we're literally getting like the governor of the state is on the news every morning at eleven a.m. with an update of what's happening and any new things that they need to do or anything they need to curtail. Uh, you know, and obviously the the other thing is they, you know, I think they. Uh, you know, they were very kind of proactive in terms of saying, listen, you know, it started off with groups of 250 down to 50, then it was 10. And then they were like, okay, well, people can't seem to adhere to not going out and being in groups. Mm-hmm. So they literally have the National Guard out, you know, and if you're kind of out and about, you know, obviously, you know, supermarkets and stuff are fine, but there's no socializing. Um you know, they, there's a big festival in D.C. every year called the Cherry Blossom. Where they've, they've got all these cherry blossom trees, which are down near the monument and stuff. And it's a huge kind of festival every year. And it's kind of high blooms when everybody comes out and whatever. And high blooms at the weekend, they close the whole area off. And then the National Guard there to basically stop crowds from coming in. Um, so they basically closed down centers of cities and stuff. So, you know, people tend seem to be kind of staying at home. Um, Obviously, I'm, I'm actually parked outside a supermarket at the moment. Uh, there's quite a few people out and about, you know, obviously getting food shopping and stuff. But apart from that, there's nobody really out. Um, you see pictures of the city, they're dead. And how does it feel? As, uh, as, do you still feel like a visitor? Is, is America home now? What is it? Uh, is, that uh, where you will, well, is that where you'll be? Well, yeah, I'm a green card holder now. I'm actually married, I'm married to an American girl. Um, pretty much, uh, you know, for me, I think I spent a long time in London. I spent 15 years in London on and off. Um, but when I came out to DC, it was a very kind of, it's a, it's, it's actually a very nice city, a lot of green space. It's, um, it's not like New York with loads of, you know, skyscrapers. It's a very low city. Uh, there's no buildings over 12 stories. So it's basically, there's a, you have the monument, which is, about 12 stories high and nothing is allowed to be higher than the monuments. It's quite a low city. Very nice. Like I say, there's no center to DC. It's uh, it's full of neighborhoods. Uh, so you can kind of walk along and it's nothing like when you're in the middle of the city, you can walk along and it's all residential housing. And then suddenly you're walking to a neighborhood and there's loads of bars and restaurants. <laughs> then you can walk through that and you'll see nothing again for another mile. <laughs> you know, so it's really odd. Um, there's no real shopping center here. It's all shopping malls, which are kind of outside of DC. Uh, yeah. So it's a very strange city. But, you know, I, I actually like the vibe in DC. It's a very friendly city. Um, it's very cosmopolitan because you have a lot of the embassies 
and there's a lot of international business. Mm-hmm. So it actually feels quite European, um, you know, because there's a lot of people from all over the place. So it's a very diverse city. And like I said, so that helps it, in How does it feel when, when you see the, um, the National Guard on the, on the streets? Because I kind of feel like if, if the army were deployed to the streets here, which I think at some point is going to have to happen because people are not paying enough attention to the, uh, the concept that we're, we're on lockdown, um, I, think it, I think it would shock people here massively. How, how do folks respond there? I think, you know, I think they're probably a, a little bit more used to it here since kind of 9-11 and stuff, you know. Um, and obviously being the capital, you're used to seeing a lot of cops around the place. You're used to seeing kind of, you know, a lot of law enforcement. Um, you know, so I don't think it's that off-putting for people. And I think, like I say, because, you know, once kind of Congress shuts down, everything shuts down, it's pretty much empty anyway. So, you know, it's really about, at the moment, it's about kind of keeping people inside and they tend to be sticking to it really um so like i suppose i live outside of dc so i don't really see much of it to be honest um to be honest where i am you wouldn't even know anything was going on apart from the businesses that are closed uh kind of local bars and restaurants and stuff like that but mm-hmm. apart from that you wouldn't really notice any difference it is an interesting one i guess obviously kind of people are comfortable over there with it just says a lot of police and all of us police carry guns. We see guns yeah, exactly. Whoa! That's the other thing. I mean, you know, you obviously you're walking, you know, obviously walking around, and every, you know, the cops are all carrying guns and stuff. So it's kind of, you know, it's kind of the norm. You know, it's not really anything that out of the ordinary. I suppose what you're seeing is kind of guys standing on street corners, or whatever. And I suppose they kind of see it, you know, in another sense, they kind of see it for their protection, if if yeah. if anything else, you know. I mean, obviously you've got. You know, the gun shops and stuff are apparently are getting sold out. Again, you know, where I live is not, you know, there isn't loads of gun shops around. Uh, I think Virginia is quite different. Virginia seems to be somewhere that people are very pro-gun. Um, yes. you, know, you see a lot of gun stores and stuff there, but where I am, not so much. Um, but, you know, I think they kind of see it, feel a little bit reassured that maybe the National Guard are on the streets. And they're there to kind of help. You know, they're not there as a hindrance. Um, you know, they're they're there kind of to assist people more than anything else, um, and I suppose they turned as well to not kind of be gathering around in huge groups of people. Um, but you know, and and you know, DC is quite a touristy city as well because of, kind of you've got the capital and you've obviously got the monuments and you've got the museums and all that kind of stuff. And I suppose that's all stopped. So you know, that's quite a you know, that's quite a lot of people that would be coming into the city as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's kind of stopped all that. So, you know, in terms of, you know, the people that are here are the people that would normally be working in the bars, the restaurants, whatever. <laughs> they're all, yeah. you know, they're all locked up. <laughs> I think most of them are drinking, to be honest. <laughs> yeah, drinking and feeling glad about having a roof on their heads. That's pretty it. much. Yeah, that's pretty much it. You're seeing lots of pictures on this district industry group of people's home bars, and it's amazing. It's <laughs> <laughs> quite uh, impressive, I guess, actually. Yeah, yeah, it's quite, yeah, it's quite, yeah, it's quite impressive. So I think, you know, they're kind of going, this is my home bar. I'm like, wow. <laughs> my local bar doesn't have that much booze. <laughs> you know? yeah, so uh, I'm now, yeah, I'm now so. envious, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, so it's interesting. But yeah, I mean, you know, look, I think it's, uh, you know, I think people would love if things just got back to normal, but I think they're also kind of conscious of the fact that unless they stay in and they do as they're told, it's going to take a lot longer. Um, so yeah, I don't know, we'll wait and see. A little bit of common sense is a beautiful thing, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, you know, I think, in terms of where, you know, the whole thing is here in terms of this area, I mean, I think probably two weeks ago we had 300 and something odd cases. Now we've got, or I think in the whole of the US it was 300 odd cases. Now there's 40 something thousand, you know, mm-hmm. in the space of two weeks or a week or whatever. And I mean, it's in the States where I am, you've you kind of, it's kind of, it's increased a lot uh, over the last couple of weeks as well. But you know, look, I suppose people have been told they're being careful, you know, they've been told to stay in, they've been told to do whatever. Um, you know, I think New York seems to be a real hot spot. I think Seattle seems to be a real hot spot. I think DC is not really one of the worst, or the area we are is not really one of the worst. So I think people aren't kind of overly concerned. They're simply doing as they're told, and pretty much hopefully we get out of it pretty soon. But uh, I think, I think the, Easter deadline, yeah, I think the Easter deadlines are probably expecting a bit much. <laughs> the man's a born optimist that's the only way yeah. to describe him obviously well that's it I think well, you know probably there's a lot of uh, I think it probably is happening in the UK as well a lot of the local distilleries and breweries and stuff are making their sanitizer and yes 
bring it out and about and whatever. Um, but yeah, apart from that, it's you know, it's pretty much kind of keep your head down and hopefully things blow over soon enough. That felt hopeful to me. That doesn't feel like <laughs> the, the the apocalypse is truly coming. It feels like they're actually, you know, what there is there's, there's light at the tunnel. You know, we might not be yeah. near that quite near it yet, but uh, there is definitely light there, and it is definitely going to be uh, getting a little bit bigger. And for me, that's yeah. the joy of this. I think this this whole thing, you know, the, the initial shock and distress of it is undoubtedly it's hard for people. But once you kind of get beyond that first moment, you start thinking, actually, this is going to create a huge amount of opportunity for some really innovative people to step forward. Um, and yeah. there's going to be some people who are going to lose their business. And that's obviously very sad. But you know what? Some of those people probably shouldn't be there. Um, if I'm entirely honest with you, you know, there are some businesses yeah. where you look at and think, would we be better off with the high street, be worse off without you on it? Yeah, well, yeah. exactly. Possibly exactly. not. But, you know, I think, I think you know, I think in a lot of senses, I mean, this is, you know, I think people will come out with, you know, a, a bigger hunger to do business and, you know, will appreciate things a little bit more. And, you know, I think there's a, like I said, there's a, there's a big kind of an industry family here. Um, but there's also an awful lot of people who, are in the industry and they're there because of the benefits and because of, you know, they work in hotels and it's not necessarily what they want to do, but they get good health benefits and health insurance is so expensive and you have to have it. And, you know, maybe they'll go, do you know what? This is probably the best thing that's ever happened to me. I'm not built for hospitality. I need to go and do something else, you know? And, and maybe they go and they look at other opportunities. Who knows? I don't know. I mean, it's one of those things. I think, you know, a lot of things will come out of this. People will, you know, either come out with a bigger hunger to be in the business, to become more passionate, to work harder, uh, you know, who knows. Um, but I would like to think some good will come out of it, uh, which I think it will. I think, you know, obviously, like you say, there's going to be a lot of businesses that hurt, but, you know, the fittest and the best will survive, I think. Um, and if they really want it, they'll find a way. So Isn't that we'll just the truth? Isn't that yeah. just the truth? <laughs> yeah. Well, I've taken loads of your time. I've really enjoyed talking to you. Um, no, you if, too. If people are listening to us and thinking, you know what, I want to hear more from Fergal. You know, where, where can they find you? What's the deal? Do you do social media? Are you on Twitter? Tell me you're on Twitter. You're uh, Twitter. I am on Twitter, yes. I'm just at, at Fergal Dooley. That's it. Really simple. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm on Facebook. Simplicity. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm on Facebook. I'm on Instagram. Uh, I think all under the same name. You are winning in life with that simplicity. <laughs> I went straight to hours on. I went straight to the, uh, the uh, I I have this kind of I do a lot of create a lot of video content where I just have a million opinions and I'll just tell them anybody and everybody who'll listen and it's done <laughs> under the idea of the boy Bailey uh, and there's a guy in uh, Ireland I think he is who's, who's who's got the name the boy Bailey on Twitter and he just hasn't used it in five years and I'm like dude just hand it over. <laughs> Just give it to me. Yeah, exactly. Just, I'll give you money. I will give you money. Just, <laughs> yeah. just reply to me. Oh, I got all excited wow. when Twitter said they were going to go. Twitter were going on a, a, a call of inactive yeah. accounts. And I was like, yes, I'll get it. And it's like, no, he's still there. So yeah. you've gone straight in with Virgil yeah. Dooley. Amazing. Yeah. Well, uh, we'll make sure we throw that in the uh, in notes. And I'll throw up your LinkedIn uh, profile up on there as well. So people can Excellent. kind of... Uh, get in touch and see what you're all about because it's been a really good conversation. I think you've got obviously a great grip on what's going on over there with a super background over here. And for me, I reckon maybe in a couple of weeks we could potentially do this again and see kind of what's changed. We could either, we can either be celebrating or maybe we'll do it over a drink and, uh, yeah, yeah. and, and make each other feel better. Well, you know, look here, I'll keep you posted of kind of things that are happening here. I think, you know, probably, I think the things for kind of you guys is really kind of, you know, what, what like as I say, what works over here, you know, there's a, a massive Facebook group and it, it, it has everybody from operators to already staff to everybody pitches in, everybody has an opinion, you know, and I mean, it's, it's, it's a great forum for people to actually, you know, find out a lot of information. There's a great support network as well. Um, you know, I think that's probably, and, you know, and a, potentially, I don't know whether it's something that would work as much over there as here is the virtual tip jar. And it's something that maybe, you know, people might get on board with. I don't know. They may, they may not. We have Hospitality Action over here who are a charity yeah. who work uh, with hospitality workers. They've done a yeah, thing yeah. with a company called Tipjar. So Tipjar is, um, you can scan a QR code and you can, in, in a restaurant, if, I, if I'm a server, I would have my QR code uh, on my ID or something or on my pot. And I would scan that and it would go directly into that person. 
uh, into their account. Oh, which great, yeah. a, a really cool idea. And Hospitality yep. Action have started working with Tipjar on allowing people to be able to donate. So I don't think we can donate to people specifically, but you can donate to city and to area, um, which yeah, yeah. obviously is, is, is a win, to be fair. You know, you've got people yeah, who yeah. you know need the help. So, yeah, I think there's, there's, there's definitely stuff to be done there. I think this, the Facebook group sounds amazing, if I'm honest with you. Yeah, I you mean, know, it's, it's, uh, yeah, it's a great forum. And I mean, it's like I said, I was really... I was really stunned uh, when I first got here and I joined the group and obviously you have, you know, it's a private group so you've got to go through, you know, they obviously vet you and make sure you're in the industry mm-hmm. and whatever before they actually let you join. But, you know, there's lots of spin-off groups like you know, the DC Craft Bartenders Guild and there's other, and they arrange monthly meetups and various other events and stuff and they're just, you know, really, really good group to be involved in and, and it keeps you kind of abreast of what's going on. Uh, it keeps you very up to date, you know, with changes or anything that's kind of, any legal things that are happening at one stage there was a thing called initiative 77 where um there was uh basically a group who were government backed trying to uh, put a cap on the minimum wage and get rid of tips um Jesus. and it was kind of highlighted very quickly and there's a uh, there's a couple of people that again are very kind of very active uh within the group and they have very good connections within the council and various other things with the mayor and they got on board very quickly with it and got a lot of um you know they went to the council meetings and they went to the, the meetings of the, the mayoral meetings and stuff and they stood up for the industry and they basically got it quashed. Um, but there was a lot of kind of, um, these people were basically going into businesses, trying to get to employees saying, this was a really good idea. You know, you'll have, you'll be guaranteed this much money, um, which obviously a lot of people were saying, look, your wages will literally be cut in half, you know, if you go yeah. to an hourly rate, um, you know, and, and they, there was a lot on the industry side, you know, basically saying, look, this is the pros and cons of this. This is what you need to understand. So there was a lot of information there for people to actually make up their minds. And if they were approached, you know, what, you know, obviously what they could say, you know, obviously don't speak to these people, you know, um, you know, and like I say, they, 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 you know, they keep you very abreast of what's going on. Yeah, so, that's yeah, very cool. It might be worth something, starting something. But uh, yeah, anyway, all right, Kieran, this was great to talk to you. And you too, mate. Really enjoying it. Thank you very much. So, thanks very much, Fergal. That was a really good and interesting conversation, and we will most certainly do it again in the next few weeks to see how things have changed, progressed, because this is a fast-moving thing that we are at the centre of. It is a tsunami, if you will. It just feels like wave after wave after wave. And at some point, those waves, they will start to break down, and when they do, we will start to see our way through this. And the sense of community that Fergal talked about through the Washington District... That's, that's the kind of thing that will get us through this. And we need to stay strong with that. And we need to keep that at the forefront of our minds. So thank you again to our sponsors, the guys at Tahola, HM and Vita Mojo. Without you guys, we couldn't keep doing this. So thank you for your time. Thank you very much for lending us your ears. We do appreciate it. We need more help, call the whole town. Now let's try and get this thing off the ground. ground. All in together, let's gather round. We're going to try and get...